After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
רבותיי, תנו לו מחיאות כפיים, יעקב שוויקי!
בעזרת השם בקרוב. But together we're number one I 
just one. But together we're number one. One, just one. But together we're number one. One, just one. But together we're number one. One, just one. But together we're number one. I say Jimmy Favor. We say Jimmy Bimbo. I say Jimmy Favor. We say Jimmy Bimbo. Jimmy Bimbo. Oh, 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 oh,
Good morning. It's 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills on the web. It's jmtheam.org. Vaviosim done by Benny Friedman, who's in the uh, rescue uh, Bell Harbor 
or rebuild rather, rebuild Bell Harbor uh, a concert this coming Sunday out at OF Tzedek in uh, Bell Harbor. Isaac Honig had a froze. You heard Eighth Day and Shiri Bim, Yaakov Shweki and Cry No More off of the Live Enokia CD. Vali Rishalayim done by the Chevra off their brand new one. Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday, June 21st, the 13th of Tammuz. Good morning, all. Officially summer on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Bullock with candle lighting time at 8.12. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 63 degrees, sunshine today and a high of 81. Clear tonight, low 62. And tomorrow, mostly sunny, high 82 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 88. We're at 63. Looks like we've got an amazing weather weekend in this area. That's what it looks like. Looks like the Adorama Street Fair will be basking in sunshine uh, starting at 10 a.m. Sunday morning on uh, West 18th Street in New York City. So that is great news. And um hope everybody out there gets an opportunity to spend some time with friends and family in this great weather at some point over the weekend. Mazal Tov going out to those who are completing Masechus Erevin today. And Hatzlacha um, Rabbah to those who are embarking on Maseches Psachim tomorrow on the Daf Yomi one-page-per-day Talmud study. Erevin concludes today. We spent a lot of time talking about it yesterday. And Psachim begins tomorrow. We spent a lot of time talking about that as well, <laughs> about Maseches Psachim, learning about Pesach all year round. So a, a big Hatzlacha Rabbah to everybody as uh, you embark on the... A brand new Masechta from all of us here at JM in the AM. Next week, believe it or not, begins the three weeks. Our three weeks format kicks in Tuesday morning on Shivasar Batamuz. Hard to believe, huh? Shivasar Batamuz, right, and I mean right around the corner. A lot of folks heading up already to different summer camps, starting summer plans. Some people already moving into their summer homes. Uh, an abrupt end to the school year and an abrupt start to what might be a shorter summer vacation than usual. We have a very, very early Elul and a very, very early Rosh Hashanah, obviously. If it's an early Elul, it's got to be an early Rosh Hashanah uh, to contend with. So um, it could be a very different type of rushed summer season. JM in the AM, we'll con- we continue with Lipa. We have the weekly update coming up later on, about an hour from now. And rumor has it that Malcolm Holmline is still in Israel. We thought he'd be back this morning. Apparently, he's still in the Holy Land, so we'll check in with him over there. And the Rabbi Yudin, of course, Torah portion of the week coming up in the 8 o'clock hour and plenty more. Naomi Nachman between 9 and 10 with the winner of yesterday's kosher cook-off, the kosher chopped competition that took place among four Nachum Siegel Network members. Naomi Nachman has the winner in the winner's circle between 9 and 10 this morning on our stream, jmtheam.org, with the program we call table for two and then of course one of the most popular aspects of our live stream the incredible Erev Shabbos music mix that begins at 10 a.m. Eastern time and goes all the way until candle lighting that will uh, be on today for a long stretch for over 10 hours which is over that's remarkable over 10 hours uh, so that's coming up between uh, 10 a.m. and candle lighting time our incredible Erev Shabbos stream that it seems everybody is talking about JM in the AM with Lipa. Thanks for tuning in at 22 minutes before 7 o'clock.
in the AM, Rabbi Baruch Chayden Company, off the CD, Awake with Lachad O.D., Shlomo Katz and Cold O.D., Shwebel Sharf and Levine, off of Volume 4 with Curry Bone, Lipa had Vayahi to open that set. Friday, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Balak, candle lighting at 8.12, the three weeks, believe it or not, begin on Tuesday. As hard as that is to believe, Shivasar Batamuz, the fast of the 17th of Tammuz, happening this coming Tuesday, sunshine with a high temperature of 81. We're at 63 right now. Naomi Nachman coming up at 9 o'clock with table for two. She will have the winner of the 2013 Nachum Siegel Network Kosher Chopped Challenge. The winner will join Naomi Nachman during table for two between 9 and 10 this morning on the stream. I strongly recommend you stay tuned in after our radio Broadcast Full day of amazing music on our stream, Erev Shabbos Mix at jmnam.org, one of the most talked about segments on our amazing stream. Keep it here all day long on Erev Shabbos. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Uh, Malcolm Holmline from Israel, I am told, coming up in the 7 o'clock hour, or by Uden in the 8 a.m. hour, and plenty more. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next at JM there. גליצל השעה שתיים, כאן עומר פרנקל עם מה שקורה עכשיו. המאבטח החשוד שירה למוות הבוקר ביהודי בן 46 ברחבת הכותל מובא כעת להארכת מעצר. לעדכן יותם ברגר. המאבטח האזרחי שמובא כעת להארכת מעצרו ירה מספר רב של קליעים אל עבר מבקר יהודי בכותל המערבי הבוקר. המאבטח טוען שההרוג קרא עלאו אכבר וניסה לשלוף חפץ מכיסו, אבל בלב החקירה עומדת השאלה מדוע פתח באש ומדוע ירה למעלה משבעה קליעים. מקרים של ההרוג סיפרו לגלי צה"ל כי האיש היה משונה ובודד ונהג להגיע מדי יום לרחבת הכותל. עד כאן בבית משפט השלום בירושלים. באמת דברים שאמרו הבוקר לגלי צה"ל, מקריו של ההרוג. טימוני, נראה בן חמישים, משתולף פה כל יום, מקלל, בלי כיפה. מסוף פנימיתונים, מקלל. הוא כאן קבוע, הוא ידוע, מוכר כאן. הוא בודד כזה כאן, והוא ממורמר. הוא ממורמר קשות מאוד על הממסד. דקה לפני הוא היה איתי פה. הוא קרא עיתון והוא התחיל לקלח, מה שנקרא, מקלחת נגד הממסד. זה מזעזע, אבל המקרה הספציפי הזה אני מאמין שלא הייתה סיבה מצדיקה לראות בה. שלושה פצועים בהתנגשות בין מכונית לאופנוע בחולון. שני רוכבי האופנוע נפגעו, אחד מהם פצוע קשה בראשו ואחד נפצע קל. נהג המכונית פצוע קל גם הוא, עדכנה אלי אוכנברג. הישג למיליון המפגינים בברזיל. הנסיעה שם תקיים דיון חירום נוכח מחאת הרמונים. כתבתנו חן פישר. אחרי שמיליון בני אדם הציפו את רחובות ברזיל, גם הלילה הכריזה הנשיאה דילמה רוסף כי תקיים בשעות הקרובות דיון חירום עם שרי הממשלה. המפגינים מחו נגד פזרנות הכספים של הממשל עבור אצטדיונים חדשים, לרגל אירוח טורניר הקונפדרציות כעת, גביע העולם בכדורגל בשנה הבאה, והאולימפיאדה ב-2016 בריו. התחזית לסוף השבוע חם מהרגיל. היום החלה החופשה הגדולה לתלמידי התיכון, וזהו גם היום הארוך ביותר בשנה. הקיץ כבר כאן באופן רשמי, ובשירות המטאורולוגי מזהירים מפני סכנת שריפות. כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר כי דלקת קוצים משתוללת עכשיו בגבעת הרקפות בקריית ביאליק. שלושה צוותי כיבוי פועלים שם. ולסיום, בלוז והחופש הגדול, עם התקליטים הישנים שליוו את ימי ראשית הקיץ של פעם. מיטב אנשי גלי צה"ל חוזרים לאולפן לנגן בצמדים מהפטפון הישן ביום שידורים מיוחד עד חצות.
היה כיף לדבר איתך, להיזכר בקצת, אני חושב שאנחנו צריכים לעשות את זה בצורה יותר קבועה, את המפגשים האלה. מה, של התקליטים? לעשות ערב כזה של... לבוא לדבר על תקליטים, זה נורא כיף. לא יצאנו גריאטרי מדי, אני מקווה. תראה, יצאנו לגמרי גריאטרי. לא, אני צריך לחשוב שחשוב לומר, מי שאין לו עבר, גם אין לו עתיד. אנחנו מדברים גם על העתיד. אלה יאבקות מרדעות בניי שיהיו כאן מיד לאחר החדשות. אלה החדשות שערך עומר בן רובי, בצוות עדן ארדנסט וטל וינינג.
کنیم
Tonight is a night about thank yous. It's a night about remembering. And there's one person that we need to say thank you to.
thank Norman Laster, another great edition of the Neshama program, and I apologize that it's a drop shorter than usual. I do want to get to the information regarding the Deer Shoe event this coming Sunday. We do have with us live via telephone or by Aaron uh, Gobioff, who is the director of Deer Shoe's North American operation. And for those of you who have uh, been listening or have seen the announcement in the... Um, in the uh, Jewish media, this coming Sunday, there is going to be a live satellite hookup from Israel as um, a Torah giants gather at Binyanei Haoman Yerushalayim. In a kinnis for hope and inspiration, that will be broadcast live around the world. Live satellite hookups include Lakewood, Muncie, Brooklyn, and the Catskills, and a whole bunch of places around the United States of America. Rabbi Gobioff, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. How are you? Baruch Hashem. I guess you could say that the, that all the time, uh, constantly, as uh, we go through our lives, we need hope and inspiration. But I assume this kinnis was arranged uh, for this specific time, as Maseches Erevin is coming to its conclusion, uh, because many believe that we really need hope and inspiration at this time. Explain the uh, beginnings, the genesis of this event. Okay, Nachum. And all our listeners, good morning. Um, let me tell you a little bit about this upcoming kinnis in Mitzvah on Sunday. Uh, it started with uh, many Gedolei Eretz Yisrael that felt that uh, we're going through turbulent times. Everyone understands the threat of uh, all that's going on around Eretz Yisrael and all uh, people that are looking to destroy us. <clears throat> and uh, it was a beautiful platform uh, as we come to the end of Mesechus Erevin, uh, a very complex Masechta, that uh, they felt now is the time uh, at this beautiful event where so many hundreds and thousands of people joined Afyami, and it's going to be a beautiful celebration, and just as many other organizations as Agoda and many other organizations are making a special uh, mention, uh, milestone, and they're having uh, various different um, beautiful events happening. Right. So the issue at the same time in Eretz Yisrael took out a whole Binyanei Oma right outside Eretz uh, Yerushalayim. And uh, many of them uh, are, are, going, go, are going to come and uh, join us. And they felt this is a beautiful platform to speak to Kal Yisrael as a whole. Uh, every segment of Kal Yisrael plans on being there. They plan on speaking to every segment and giving them the proper chizuk and uh, that we need at this uh, uh, time of threat. If any, um, if past history is any indication, uh, and for those of us who observe these things, um, it, it's evident. Uh, Deershu has always made an effort to do things in as uh, a peaceful a manner and as uh, as uh, much and, and a manner of being machazic people as much as possible. When you say that people from all across the spectrum will be participating both in Israel and through the hookup here in the U.S., you mean that you're trying to attract as many people as possible simply to uh, promote as much achdus as possible. Correct. We've always been uh, under the banner of achdus. There's always been all parts of Kali Israel have always joined us. No one was ever left out. And this time we don't uh, feel that it's going to be any different. Rabbi uh, Aaron Gobioff with us live via telephone. All right, people need to know how to participate in this program. I know that uh, we've been announcing that in addition to the actual satellite hookup, which is going to be taking place live on Sunday afternoon here, obviously Sunday evening in Israel, you're actually going to feature a special Torah lecture at each location live in the U.S., right? Correct. The four places that are having the actual live hookup are going to feature a live person, and we took a hush of the people in order to give the proper 
um, the proper chashivas uh, to the people that are coming, and the proper uh, it, should, it should be uh, giving the proper. Uh, I guess I guess the best way to say it is we, we expect a large crowd. So we took the right people for the situation. Yeah, proper atmosphere, to say the least. In Lakewood, it will be um, a Rav Malkiel Cutler and Muncie, Rav Moshe Green. In Brooklyn, Rav Fischl Schachter. And up in the Catskills, a lot of folks are going to be up there already on Sunday. It'll be up at the Rolly Hotel with Harav Zev Smith. But for Deershoe, I see that the New York, New Jersey area, Rabbi Gobioff, is not enough. You've gone ahead and you've, you've, you've compiled a list of many other cities in the U.S. that could actually go and, uh, and view the proceedings from Yerushalayim. Yep. Uh, we reached out uh, to, to this great organization called TCN, <clears throat> who does a lot of different hookups different shiurim and different occasions and they were they were only happy to help us um, contact the many uh, outside cities we took the bigger ones in this case and they were all extremely interested and we expect it to be a, a beautiful showing and that includes baltimore chicago detroit montreal cleveland la miami toronto anybody listening in those locations around the united states all you have to do is contact deer shoe best way i guess is 8885 deer shoe 8885 deer shoe and you'll find out exactly uh, how plans are progressing, where they hope to be on Sunday uh, when they show what's happening live in Yerushalayim. Is the Binyane Haoma event going to be completely sold out? Will it be filled up? Um, I, I think it will be a well-overflow crowd. Wow. Since I, I, in, in past experiences, when you have such such a beautiful crowd of Gedolim, uh, everyone's interested in being there, seeing it live. I, I would love to be there. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I have to be here and take care of what has to happen here. If I would love to be, but this, uh, over, I guarantee an overflown crowd there. And how many Rabbanim do you think, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but I'm just curious if you've heard, how many Rabbanim do you think will address the crowd in Yerushalayim? Um, I saw the slot they gave the actual Rabbanim because they don't want to overdo it it's right. a little uh, later in the evening. Right. But uh, I would, if I would have to guess, I would say from the uh, the older Rabbanim, I'm talking about the real senior Rabbanim in Israel, right. I would say there would be about a handful, and there's definitely going to be a number of younger Rabbanim, tier two in age, about uh, uh, in Israel. So it'll definitely be a comprehensive program. Right, and something very important to note is people may, our listeners may say, but I don't understand Yiddish well, uh? and I don't understand the Hebrew well. Uh? Well, we, we took out one of the most professional people there to sit, and he studied the people that are going to be uh, talking to make sure he understand them well, and there's actually going to be a live person there that's going to, we're going to have um, subtitles continuously in English for those that, for those brushes that different people may not be able to understand. Well, that's not easy to do. Have you, uh, has that done been done before, or this is the uh, no-girl time? Well, uh, we, we've never tried it yet. We have watched and analyzed, uh, previous uh, different places that have done it, and we try to learn from anyone's mistakes in any which way. Right. You see, really get it right. see, you guys usually get it right, so you're under a lot of pressure now. That's right. <laughs> because you usually get these things right. We don't like to make mistakes. They don't yeah. usually leave a stone unturned, I can tell you that much. 8885 they've made available in Lakewood, Cheder B'nai Torah on 5th Street, in Muncie, Hamaspik Terrace on Route 59, in Brooklyn, the base Medrash Birchas Avram on 50th Street, and up in the Cats of the Rolly Hotel. The information's everywhere, folks. You can follow up and see exactly what they're doing, plus the phone numbers that you can call in order to listen in. Uh, for instance, is a 718-506-9099. Again, that's 718-506-9099. There's going to be a, a, a local Lakewood number, plus Kol Halashon in the United States at 
six six four hundred are going to be carrying it as well. So there are a lot of options of how to listen and how to be a part of this. Uh, and and by the way, we should mention not that it matters to the folks here, but you're doing this in Europe and a whole bunch of other places as well. So this is really a worldwide event. Yep, that's right. All right. So uh, th- is that the best thing? Eight 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 five Deer Shoe for anybody who wants to uh, speak with a representative and get last minute information. That is the best way to do it, and the bright prompts will get them to uh, be able to listen and not have to wait online to speak to anyone. We do try to always update that system for anything that's going on in Deer Shoe, and this is no different. All right, there you go. It's a an arrangement for a kinnis, which has um, it's been arranged. A kinnis for hope and inspiration will be broadcast live from Binyanei Haman Yerushalayim with English translation provided. Eastern time. It starts at 2 p.m. Sunday. You'll see it in the papers, live satellite locations in Lakewood, Muncie, Brooklyn, and the Catskills, plus other areas of the U.S. and Canada. And in addition to that, the Listen Live lines are all going to be active Sunday afternoon. You'll check those out in your papers as well. If you have the information in front of you, it'll be really easy to uh, call in and be part of it. Any general information you need today about the event, 888-5-DEER-SHOE. Extension 148. Uh, Rabbi uh, Aaron Gobioff, thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful Shabbos and good luck on Sunday. Thank you very much, Nachum. Thank you for your beautiful program and thank you for all the listeners. You are a great show. I appreciate that very much. Candle lighting at 8.12, folks. 8.12 on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Balak. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. We continue here on a Friday morning at JM in the AM and... Malcolm Holmline, we're told, is in Israel. That's where he is, we're told. He is in Israel, and he'll join us coming up. I think he's in Israel, I should say. Uh, that's our latest report. And he'll join us coming up here at JM of the AM, so get ready as we'll do the weekly update uh, in a, an international fashion. In addition, of course, our Bayudin coming up, and Naomi Nachman on our stream at jmandtheam.org. And Naomi, that's between 9 and 10, table for two. And Naomi will have the winner of the Nahum Siegel Network first ever kosher chopped competition. Last night, there were many people tuned in both uh, on our stream and watching on Ustream on our website. Uh, the competition between uh, Mark Zamek, Matis Weingast, Ellie Hagler, and Daniel Gordon. And uh, one of the young members of the Nahum Siegel Network took away the $150 gift card to Jay Soho. Naomi Nachman speaks with him between 9 and 10 this morning right after JM and the AM on our stream at jmtheam.org. More coming up. Keep it right here at JM and the AM. This 
J.M. and the A.M. That's the Werdiger family. The CD is entitled Shabbos with the Werdigers, volume number two, with Mimkom Chayakov Shweki's Bowie. Great job. A, a double CD that everyone continues to talk about. The Live in Nokia in Israel. Just an amazing CD. Mimkomcha uh, before that with Baruch Abitan from the CD entitled May Amek. Uh, the three weeks begin on Tuesday. Believe it or not, we're in our three weeks format beginning Tuesday morning on the fast day, the fast of the 17th of Tammuz. Monday will be our... We tried to put together such an amazing morning for Monday for the final day of this Jewish music season. And it just didn't work out. The people that we needed to be here early in the morning are just landing at the airport like 9 a.m. So it didn't work out, but uh, hey, maybe something else will materialize over the weekend. Maybe we'll have some other type of live music on Monday. Who knows? Anyway, Tuesday is Shabbat The fast begins uh, early Tuesday morning, and that's when the three weeks will start. Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Balak with candle lighting at 8.12 on this Erev Shabbos. Many synagogues begin earlier on this first day of summer. Uh, make sure you know when things start where you are. Sunshine with a high of 81, clear tonight, low 62. Mostly sunny tomorrow with a high Shabbos 82. Looks like a great weather weekend. Where Malcolm Homeline is, it's a great weather weekend. They've got 88 degrees in Yerushalayim. Malcolm's in the Holy Land, and we'll join him in a second, or he'll join us in a second. We're at 63 here in Jersey City at JM and the AM. Thank you to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue enthusiastically with tremendous admiration to continuously recommend to their view to their readers and they've got hundreds of thousands of readers to tune into our web web stream at jmtheam.org on a regular basis not only for the weekly update but all through the week and um, if you're looking for a comprehensive look and analysis of what's happening in this world of ours you'll find thousands of articles at jewishworldview.com we thank them for the uh, recommendation that they're giving to their readers on a regular basis. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us from the Holy Land on this Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning. It's good to be with you, especially from here. Yeah, I would assume it is, as I uh, described it, gorgeous weather, wonderful to be in Israel. Nothing like it, right? Unbelievable. It's so beautiful. A little warm today, but it's, uh, you know, Jerusalem, it's always balanced. It's not humid, and the, the, the days all this week have been really spectacular. Mmm, you couldn't resist to just give you a little, uh, little warm there. <laughs> not <laughs> it's sure, warm in other ways. Not sure how he feels about the weather. All right, um, disturbing report, obviously. You'll tell us what you know up to the minute regarding what happened at the Kotel. Um, apparently, a Jewish man was killed by police. Apparently, based on the reports, there was some type of misunderstanding. What do you know about today's episode? Only what I heard from uh, an official uh, a little while ago, uh, not a police official, who had uh, gotten preliminary reports. It seems that somebody was in one of the bathrooms in, near the hotel and started yelling, or something to that effect. And a private security guard, um, in, I don't know, after what kind of a confrontation or something, um, shot quite a few bullets, uh, it's estimated as many as 12, into the, uh, into the uh, stall and killed the, the person who was in town. So that's all we know at this point, obviously. More that's what I know. I, right. I know that, uh, I'm sure that uh, more because I know that they arrested, uh, they, they, they took in the uh, security guard 
uh, and they were investigating it uh, as of an hour ago when I was when I spoke to this official. Yeah, as as uh, disturbing as an episode like this would be anywhere in Israel, or or frankly anywhere, you know, you hear that it's happening at the Kotel. Obviously, everybody pays much more careful attention, and for good reason. So as uh, things develop, I'm sure everybody in this uh, fast-moving world of ours will discover more and more about what happened. By the way, just as a, a, a as a mundane note, but important to our listeners, uh, we're hearing you a lot better than we did in the early, early part of this conversation. So whatever you're doing in terms of uh, using your phone from Israel, continue to do it because we can hear you a lot more clearly now. Um, you you had the privilege of being at the celebration that's been cited worldwide for the 90th birthday of the President of Israel, and that's, of course, Shimon Peres. What was that like? Well, I spoke at this uh, event and uh, attended uh, parts of it. Um, it was a unique gathering of people from all over the world, and frankly, for me, the value is not the sessions as much as it is the hallways, where you have an opportunity to meet people uh, with whom we work around the year, during the year, from Israel, from Europe, from elsewhere, or uh, others with whom we uh, engage. And the opportunity to do so in this informal setting means that you can do many meetings in, in an hour and certainly many, many meetings in a day. In, in addition, there were uh, you know, important sessions. President Clinton was here, uh, the head of Cisco, uh, the president of Rwanda, and others who came and, and spoke and participated in the various sessions. Any- There's been a lot of... Controversy about the conference because of the amount of money, and unfortunately, some people think that the president's apostrophe as conference is the president's conference. Right. So people complain to me about the seats they got or how they get tickets, <laughs> and I explain to them that it is not it is not the president's conference conference. It is the president's conference, right. meaning Shimon Peres, right, with a capital T, I guess, or capital P, whatever you want to call it. Uh, were you shocked by anybody's attendance? Like, could you not believe that someone from a certain country or someone who may have had a contentious relationship with the president or with Israel was there? No, nobody uh, particularly shocking or surprising. As, uh, I'm sure everybody knows Barbara Streisand came and uh, Sharon Stone, other personalities. Uh, De Niro was there. Um, there were uh, leading uh, business figures uh, who came. Uh, I can't say that there was anybody who was particularly surprising or, or shocking by their presence. Did the people in Israel make as big a deal of the Streisand performance as we did here at JM and the AM? Uh, it, it was a huge uh, factor, and you know, she did two concerts. Uh, one she did last night and one Saturday night. Both are completely sold out. Uh, she was very popular here. Uh, and, you know, she's not young. She's 71. She's uh, in very good form. She spoke beautifully and sang uh, Avina Malkano, which um, had the audience, uh, I think, really enraptured. I can imagine. Uh, so she was, uh, I think, uh, of the personalities, she's, she's uh, a superstar here. While we're on the subject of concerts, by the way, uh, kudos to Yanni, who didn't cave into pressure and performed in Israel this week. Uh, you, and I was so glad to see this, because a lot of people always call for Jewish leadership to make comments like this. You came out with a statement uh, uh, thanking Alicia Keys for the courageous decision, decision that she made. So kudos to you for that. And uh, you didn't happen to be at the Pookie concert last night in Yerushalayim, were you? 
was it Pugi or that other good uh, <laughs> Kavarit or something? Yeah, it's Kavarit. Kavarit and Pugi are the same thing, Malcolm. We, we, mu- we must the same thing? Yeah, we must have a sit-down and discuss this. They are the same group, yes. Really? <laughs> yes! Nobody tells me anything. Kavarit. Anyway, that was another sold-out concert. <laughs> created a great excitement. It's a reunion of a group from the 60s. And, um, you know, they came together to uh, to do, I think, one or, or a couple of concerts. Yeah, they're doing a couple, doing another one in August. I'll tell you, Kaveret's nickname is Poogie. So I guess it's obvious, Malcolm, that you were not... Uh, sitting there last night. There was, speaking of the of the president, and I'm referring to the president of the of the state of Israel's conference. There was some controversy or some discussion about who paid and how much they paid for Bill Clinton to be there for this. Uh, any accuracy to what we've been reading about this topic? Yes, there, there was a controversy uh, because uh, the reports that. He received a half a million dollars, or the Clinton Initiative received a half a million dollars uh, for his attendance. And I don't know if it was at the Perez conference, but there was an event at Perez's at the Perez College the night before uh, the conference opened, and uh, he, in fact, donated the money that he was to receive, uh, or that the Clinton Initiative was to receive. He donated it, the president, to the Perez College. Uh, and that received very warm welcome. But earlier, because an organization had been involved and probably would have made more money off of it than it cost them with sponsorships, but uh, it became a subject of criticism, mostly because today people in Israel are feeling the economic crunch, you know, the budget cuts are impacting people broadly, and the idea that you know a half a million dollars would be paid for President Clinton to come here was was became a subject of uh, controversy. It died down, especially after he donated the money, and uh, the work that particular organization uh, pulled out. But the visit went on uh, as before. Then the, the same criticism were being were being directed at the overall event, which cost some eleven million shekels, wow. and there was a lot of very elaborate staging at certain events. Uh, criticism that. That money perhaps should have been spent otherwise in a less extravagant event put together. So that's interesting. In terms of the first point, it's possible that it would it would have been a worthwhile investment for the not for profit organization, but the perception simply was not good. It didn't look good. Exactly to right, and that's what the head of the organization who did it with good intention and uh, showed me how much they stood to to benefit from it. Very interesting. Very interesting. There was a an election uh, in Iran, as uh, you know, and Hassan Rawani is now going to be the um, uh, president of Iran. He uh, already has issued a statement that he has no interest in direct talks with the West. I don't know when the West offered direct talks, but you could educate me on that. Tell me about the... Now that we finally, after all these weeks of analysis, now we, now we finally know who the president-elect is, give me your impressions of the election. Well, uh, it's a complicated uh, situation because some of it is speculation about what caused the response. What is clear is that the uh, people of Iran in part because I think of the impact of sanctions and the dissatisfaction with the direction uh, that Iran was going, both in terms of extending the international community, the uh, effects of the of sanctions on their lives and on the economy, uh, the maybe also the, the restrictions on freedoms, who voted overwhelmingly 
uh, and I think it came at 50 some percent versus the next to 17 percent for Lalani, who was one of six candidates uh, who were uh, of the eight that were approved from the 660 people who were running for the office. Eight were approved by the Guardian Council, two dropped out or were dropped, and six were named. He is being painted as a moderate alternative, one that I guess it's relative to uh, Jalili, who was more openly committed to Khomeini, but all of the candidates, in order to be proof, have to be ideologically in, in, aligned with uh, Khomeini. That's one. Two, Mr. Rouhani served as a negotiator for, for many years, and there's no indication whatsoever of anything but the fact that he was hardlined in his statement since the election, uh, where he talks about uh, continuing the enrichment, uh, or, or that there would be any change whatsoever uh, in, in regard to the uh, 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 nuclear program. But there may be some gestures, some kind of reforms on the domestic side to say that, well, you see, there, there, there's a difference. We're responding to the people's demands, and they'll make some... Uh, adjustments that won't be of radical significance, but the the fear is that the international community will say, "Here's that here's this individual. He's a quote moderate, uh, which he is not, and we should give him a chance." Meaning that we postpone the uh, deadlines and we postpone the, the allow them to to postpone the talks and to uh, say that we have to give him a chance. In fact. Uh, some people have told me that they think this could set us back as much as a year. My hope that that is not the case. There's also evidence that Rouhani, who uh, chaired Iran's National Security Council between 1989 and 2005, uh, meaning that he was there when the bombing, 1994 bombing of the Jewish Cultural Center in Buenos Aires, that killed, I think, 85 people, and of the Hobart Towers in 1996, which killed uh, almost 20 U.S. Uh, Air Force people, he would have been involved, and he had to be intimately familiar with the construction of Iran's nuclear facilities, whether in Iraq or in Atanz or Isfahan, which weren't publicly disclosed until 2002. Yeah, you just alluded to this, but I want to get a more direct answer. Is this transition going to be beneficial to Iran? In other words, because there is a transition now, it, they'll be able to accomplish more in terms of nuclear enrichment while they just stole this whole process? Pardon in other words, is it beneficial to Iran if they want to continue to n- nuclear enrichment to have this transition now in the presidential seat, or it's irrelevant? It, it's irrelevant. They're moving ahead all the time. They're expanding the facilities in the various places. They are in, uh, putting in the new modern centrifuges. They're moving ahead. What what it does do is take some of the pressure off of them if Europeans and maybe even the United States or others will say, Look, it's a new face. We have to give him a chance. Right. Uh, in that regard was a great asset. As I said on the show, I, we would regret his leaving and you know would vote for him if we had a chance <laughs> because people saw his face. They understood it. Uh, they understood what the danger was. Now, this so-called moderate who, who will speak to the West with more sensitivity and less honesty uh, will you know will perhaps offer an out for those who are looking for one. If the economic crisis would not have been to this level in Iran, would voter turnout have been lower there? It's hard to say because you know there, there's very little real polling about what goes on uh, inside Iran. 
but certainly the, the indications are that the sanctions and the dissatisfaction with the way the government has handled the sanctions and its involvement perhaps in Syria and elsewhere, uh, the support for Hezbollah, are not popular amongst many people uh, inside uh, Tur- uh, Iran. And we have to remember that Iran's population is far from uh, homogeneous. You have uh, 10 or 15 million Baluchis and the same Azeris and others. And more than half the population are really minority groups or ethnic or geographic minorities. And the IEA this week, the head of the International Atomic Energy Agency, said that despite the sanctions, Iran's nuclear program is moving ahead and they're making steady progress. So the, the increase in their capacity and production, etc. So the answer to your question is that the, on the one hand, the, the program advances. On the other hand, the people who voted, you saw them going to the streets, right. but they did not protest this time against Khamenei. They just came out in support and saying that the, the, the victory that, of Rouhani, whom they had backed. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web at jmtheam.org. Those of you who are just tuning in, we did address the episode this morning at the Kotel, uh, the shooting at the Kotel this morning. Malcolm reviewed the details uh, in terms of what we know so far, and obviously as the day goes on, we expect uh, to learn more as uh, we check out the different uh, news sources. We, meaning everybody in the audience, will be able to check out uh, the news sources and see what happens as that story develops. You've had an opportunity. One of the benefits of having you... Uh, uh, address us uh, during your trips to Israel is that obviously you've spoken to the Prime Minister this week. Um, I, I would guess even I could answer this question, but what was his reaction to the Iranian election, and has he wavered at all? Does he address the entire topic of Iran versus Israel any differently than he did months ago? No, he actually is expressing concern about uh, the deception involved in, in Rouhani's election, and said that uh, they should be judged by their deeds, not their words, but warned that the the deadline is still approaching, that nothing has changed in that regard, and that they really called on the international community not to be diverted from the uh, direction and the steps that were being taken. Uh, there's got to be a deadline. Iran continues to buy time. They've done this for 20 years, and, right. and Rouhani was one of the people who engaged in that subterfuge uh, in the negotiations. So I think the the, um, the message in the thing out was certainly made very clear to everybody is that the election does not make a difference in terms of the nuclear program. It's not going to set it back. If anything, it's just going to give them cover to advance further. Now, the new prime minister of the PA has resigned? Yes, he resigned. He offered his resignation. I know that there's a meeting today uh, with Rami Hamdala. He was there, I think, less than a, a, a month. He, he uh, offered his resignation to the um, to the to President Abbas, and now he will have to decide where he is headed: either retracting the resignation or confirming it, leaving you know, I said, it's, it's, I think three weeks. Yeah. Away. Yeah, that's it. Um, all right. So again, I'm not asking for any secrets here, but I'm I'm just so curious. So did, I'm, I'm sure you had a chance to speak to the prime minister, and what is his impression now of Israeli PA talks? 
of Kerry's frequent visits? Is it frustrating for him? Is it is it fine for him? And he's ready to just you know keep going through these machinations till the other side is ready to seriously negotiate. How would you describe it? Well, I do think there's a lot of frustration and there's a lot of concern with statements. The EU is about to come out with a statement on the Israeli-Palestinian issues, which is very, which is negative and unfounded. The the frustration that they feel is that the Prime Minister and others continue to say we're ready to negotiate, and Abbas continues to say he's not ready to negotiate. That the Kerry comes with a four billion dollar economic package, and they say don't bribe us, don't uh, uh, try to, to to force us into it. He, and he complains Abbas that is about the pressure being brought to bear on him, when in fact. They've made very clear, and in the vote this week again, made clear that they were not going to move ahead uh, with the with the negotiations. Netanyahu, on the other hand, has reiterated several times, and especially because some other officials have said the two-state solution is bad or made other comments, right. um, so that he, he he felt compelled to reiterate his uh, his position. Is he feeling any frustration? Meaning the prime minister. Or maybe you could describe to what degree you're feeling the frustrations, I have a feeling it might be more than him, about this public battle regarding the office of the chief rabbinate. Uh, look, there's a lot of frustration about the issues here, and unfortunately there's a lot of rhetoric, which is uh, unfortunate uh, characterizations of people. There have been other incidents, and, you know, charges against one of the chief rabbis, that are uh, very disturbing concern and and the debate over the chief rabbi has uh, divided groups and and become an issue of considerable contention and contentiousness between uh, Bennett and the prime minister between others in fact many different factions when I was in the Knesset I was stopped many times asking me about who we're backing and they told me you know we don't vote in the chief rabbinate election Uh, but certainly many people have very strong views uh, about it, I think the Prime Minister is frustrated that, despite Israel's good intentions and outreach, and you know willingness to take uh, to take the talks to to a new beginning without preconditions, is always met with rejection, and yet the blame is is either ascribed to Israel or well, of the best is uh, ascribed to both sides uh, as if it's an equal um, responsibility. Mm-hmm. And the, the Europeans and others who who, who follow that line uh, add to the prime minister's. Uh, Frustration, and then he has to face the internal divisions, which is why none of us would want to be, I think, prime minister even for a very short period of time when you have to face these kind of very serious um, issues. And he looks also at the failure of Europe to be able to declare, and he said this publicly, uh, declare Hezbollah, a terrorist organization, the initiative of the British was, um, and the Germans backed it, but the the um, opposition that they received from the Czech Republic, Austria, uh, a couple of other countries, including Italy, uh, uh, didn't allow the resolution, which needed unanimous support, to pass. And, you know, he pointed to this uh, with great frustration and said, it's Hezbollah in a terrorist organization. What is? Right. Look at what they're doing now in Syria. Look what they're doing all over the world. There are all these exposures of their activity in Africa this week and in, in um, Latin America last week, South America. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And yet they continue to disregard the evidence from the attack in Bulgaria, whatever, 
to declare on the terrorist group. Uh, no question. I got to go back to the first point, though, uh, for a moment. Uh, it, it's it's well known the respect and admiration that the parties involved in the chief rabbinate uh, battle have for you. Therefore, I would say you. I, I hope that you've used the opportunity to reach out and maybe try to uh, express. Uh, to the parties, that the the less public this battle is, the better off all of us are. Uh, I have said that to the parties involved, to uh, express my view to some of the candidates for chief rabbi, um, and to and to their backers about how detrimental it is, and think of the impact. What I, I said in the public remarks was that we we are delegitimizing ourselves. When Israeli officials use language against each other, not just in regard to the chief rabbi, right. but in a very highly visible way in regard to that right. uh, uh, contest, but even when ministers attack each other, you know they can have differences of views, and you can criticize the difference of views. But when you, you degrade them, and when you use this, the terminology to be using, we are delegitimizing ourselves. No question about it. All right, let's move to Syria for a moment. The president of Israel, 90 years old, made a statement that he doesn't mind that weapons from the U.S. are going to the rebels. It probably would have been a better idea for him not to comment publicly on that, right? Uh, it, well, the president is uh, pretty independent, you know, at 90 and, and with one more year in, in office. I don't think he, he feels particular pressure or restrictions on what he says. <laughs> But the look, the question is of the arms is really where are they going? Who's going to get the arms, and how are we going to identify those who will be able to assure that they won't be turned against Israel, turned against the um, other groups, uh, Americans or, or others, and end up with a situation either like uh, uh, Libya, where the arms keep flowing till today into Gaza, into Mali, into Sinai. Syria is becoming a massive uh, arms uh, warehouse, and and therefore we don't want a situation, and many people have said to me that, in fact, there is no shortage of weapons, but it's a symbolic gesture, the question of whether we have a no-fly zone. Uh, it highlights what I've talked about before, that this is also a conflict between uh, Russia and the United States. You see how, how tough they have become on the Syrian issue. You saw the faces of the President Obama and Putin during their talks. Right. Uh, one of the newspapers described it as chilly, and I said, "It's not chilly. It's Siberia." <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was. You could see the, the tension and the, um, and, and if not more, anger in uh, in their faces. So Russia has a lot of interests. I've discussed them o- over the weeks uh, right. in about what drives Putin's uh, position. Uh, but I think that the differences between the parties remains uh, very serious. And you see the Russian warships there. The Russians warned about a no-fly zone, uh, also about arming the individuals, but with the uh, opposition groups. But you see that more and more the conflict is becoming international. Now you have Sunni fighters coming from Pakistan, from the Gulf. You have uh, Shiites coming from Lebanon, the Hezbollah groups, from the Iraq, from uh, from uh, Iran. I mean, thousands of them. And the, the battle uh, expands in terms of foreign invest involvement, even from uh, Great Britain, Ireland, France, Holland, other countries in Europe. A little bit of a crazy question, but there was so much discussion about it this week. Maybe I was just listening to the wrong commentators, but were you happy with the president's performance at the G8 in terms of representing the United States? 
Well, I, I, the, the real question is what happened in the internal talks, and uh, I've not had a chance to speak to some of the participants to get a sense or the representatives of the, of what really took place there. But the, the meeting itself was not a very happy one. Uh, I think people are look, look to America for more leadership uh, in these times, but the divisiveness both within Europe and between Europe uh, and the United States versus Russia, et cetera, that they couldn't come to any agreement. They, they issued a statement about Syria, but couldn't go beyond it. Right. And Russia warning that any moves beyond it would be unacceptable. So the, the likelihood that anybody went away from the, the G8 meeting happy is, is remote. <laughs> you could say that every year, right? <laughs> well, not, <laughs> you probably you can. The G7 and a half. <laughs> um, the, and, and when are the, uh, are the weapons on the way? In other words, if the United States makes a decision that they're going to support the rebels or a specific group and give them specific types or whatever, is the, does the shipment leave immediately? Is it six months down the road? How does it work? The, it, it is, it's just repeat again because I lost the last part. Well, I asked, is, is it something that happens immediately? There's an immediate shipment, or or it can take six months? Oh, I'm sorry, that's that, that was the last part. So the 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 arms we believe, or many people believe, have already been flowing. I certainly know that there are Arab countries have talked about you know C-130 cargo planes full of weapons that have been going through Turkey into uh, Syria for quite a while. That's why I said before that it's a warehouse of weapons. There are, are many weapons. The question is who controls those weapons. So now they're talking about additional shipments to the, um, the Free Syrian Army. In addition, the question is the, quanti- the quality of the weapons, not just the quantity. Are we going to give them missiles that to, to fire against tanks? Are they going to get more sophisticated weapons? Are we going to give them rifles and defensive uh, uh, weapons? And uh, and then the question of training in the use of these weapons. Uh, I know that I've heard that Hezbollah guys are being sent in ten days after uh, they recruit them. The, the Syrian soldiers are being held up to eight months, literally bound to their barracks, not getting any PD, anything, not being able to communicate back home, so they won't communicate negative messages. Uh, the the so you can give them weapons, but if they're demoralized, they're not going to be. Uh, be fighting in the way that uh, they want to. What drives them is the threat of annihilation, that Christians, Sunnis, Alawites fear that if uh, Assad is driven out, that all of these forces will uh, then turn their wrath on them, which is not unlikely. So the, the weapon shipments themselves, I don't think, are going to make a huge difference in the fighting, the, what you're more likely to see is that we're going to head off to a stalemate where we'll have periodic flare-ups and, and, and contestations ongoing. Uh, we see it spreading into Lebanon, as we discussed many times, right. uh, and the people, groups, taking advantage of the, the attention focused on this, on Syria, to move. We see the Iranians moving more and more into, into Yemen with increased ties to the, to the extremists there. Uh, we see the efforts in Somalia and many other places that, that because the attention is diverted to Syria, they uh, they use this, this opportunity to extend their activities. Malcolm Honline is live in Yerushalayim. Malcolm, would it be accurate to say that uh, for a long time, internally in Turkey, uh, things were relatively stable until the most recent uh, protests? And could you explain to us what these protests are about? Well, the protest started over a construction site taking up uh, a park, one of the last 
green spaces in uh, in the area in Istanbul. Uh, that I think became a pretext, though, and because the uh, police uh, perhaps overreacted, it became then uh, the focal point for massive demonstrations. And by the way, they still continue. There are periodic uh, and even sometimes larger scale demonstrations in, in these areas, and they spread them to forty cities. And that is a reflection of the fact, not about the construction site, but of the dissatisfaction of people with the increasing restrictions on their lives, uh, trying to bring them in line with fundamentalist uh, Islamist principle, including in having no liquor and, and dress codes and many other things that are being imposed in the general public, not within religious or other institutions. The, so the, the, the economic conditions, other things all contributed to having this, these kind of eruptions. They, they obviously cracked down and cleared out the areas. It, was not, it did not involve the vast majority of the people, just as the demonstration in Egypt and Tunisia elsewhere only involved a percentage of, a small percentage of the people. I think Erdogan had to have the message, got the message. He went off to Morocco and Algeria on a trip when the fighting started oh. and absented himself during the, the time of the demonstrations and now has returned and, and is introducing uh, harsh measures to uh, assure that the demonstrations end. I think people's frustration is very clear. I think he is going to have to address it. It could impact the upcoming elections, in the presidential elections in Turkey next year. Uh, how would you describe today the relationship between Israel and Turkey? The relationship is, is certainly very cold. Uh, Erdogan... Uh, will, will certainly lash out an opportunity given to redirect attention against Israel, against Jews. One of his top aides, in fact, said that the, the demonstrations were the work of the American Jewish uh, lobby and, and that we were responsible for it. And I know it's, it's even hard to get it out straight face, but people believe it. Many people in Turkey pick this up and believe it. And they talked about some meetings that took place uh, in some think tank, etc., to, to justify the, uh, the accusation. But the uh, I think that the relationship today is more or less stable. The issues regarding the flotilla are still not completely resolved. Right. Israel has made generous offers. The Iranians are dragging their feet and coming to final conclusions about it. Finally, Malcolm, you're in Jerusalem, and uh, we know that there's uh, there's always some level of tension, and uh, we know that there have been uh, different drills that have taken place. I've heard from relatives about uh, some of those drills. In fact, the Yankee Meyer was here this week. He mentioned. Uh, on the air, how he participated with the FDNY group that went to Israel this week, because in Israel, the drills are even more serious, not to suggest that here they're not serious, meaning that they are even more realistic uh, than they are here in the New York area. So how would you describe how people are feeling at this point with the Iranian threat and not knowing what tomorrow may bring? Is it evident to you at all as you walk the streets of Jerusalem? I don't sense a heightened level of concern in some respects. You know, Israel is not the focal point of people's anger in the Arab world. They're focused on each other. They're focused on Syria. They're focused on, on Iran and, uh, and many other issues against uh, 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 about the participants in the various, and there are many, conflicts going on in this uh, area. Iran is obviously the dominant concern in the region, and Israelis know that they are at least preparing and they're taking the steps necessary 
to try and address it and anticipate it. Obviously, some of the issues, the flare-ups at the hotel, the, the other issues, the domestic issues that you raised, still get the most prominence in the newspapers on a on a day-to-day basis. Uh, but there are other things like the, the revelation of the um, TV series that is being prepared in Egypt called Haibar. Haibar is the name of the region in uh, the Arabian Peninsula where Jews lived, and when the Prophet uh, supposedly attacked, uh, and it's, this is written in the Quran, uh, the, the, this, there was a series of uh, conflicts between the early followers of the, the early Muslims and the Jewish tribes, and Jewish tribes eventually were wiped out or expelled. This is in the year 642, I think. Um, and, you know, it's become a symbol, sort of, of uh, how you can deal with Israel or how to deal that you can, you're allowed to engage in deception in order to draw, uh, to, to achieve your ultimate end, many other things. But now this series has been made which portrays Jews in horrific ways, and it will be shown during Ramadan when hundreds of millions of people turn on their televisions because they fast all day and eat or, uh, at night, uh, and during that time they watch television, but during the fasting time and at night, and then see these kind of shows which incite populations, which leads to violence, it distorts history, it, it's uh, tremendously harmful, and the, the answer that the government itself didn't do it, the government's responsibility is to make sure that this is not shown, and that you don't allow this kind of uh, horrific portrayals and that can lead to violence and, and demonstrations uh, and manifestations. Uh, be allowed to, to be broadcast. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, a, a matter of great concern, and we should not allow things like this simply to pass and to write it off and say, well, they've done it before. The Syrians did it about uh, making blood with matzahs. The uh, Egyptians did it with horsemen without a horse, a uh, series of, of a similar nature. No, we have to say we're not going to tolerate in the international community. The United States has to say we're not going to give you aid if you continue to engage in this kind of incitement. It has real consequences, and it reflects the, the real feeling when you when you are willing to show programs like this. Uh, the words, the nice words, are meaningless when the actions betray them. Oh, phenomenal. All right, uh, very, very good point. And easier said than done. Um, well, a lot of summer vacations are upon us, Malcolm, but uh, because of the issues are so pressing, I still believe we should reconvene next week and analyze them here at JM and AM, if that's okay with well, you. Well, God willing, if we're all here next week, we will uh, do it. Uh, but I, I wanted to say there was good news, that you know that there's a record high of Israeli Arabs volunteering for national service this year, up 76%. And... Uh, I think people should not dismiss what changes are taking place within Israel that are positive as well. Excellent. Uh, enjoy Jerusalem, and have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak we again. Thank you. Ne- please do. Next week back in the U.S.? Yes. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Weekly update on Fridays here at JM. The AM Erev Shabbos Parshas Balak with candlelighting time at 8.12. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pasha's Bolok. Pasha's Bolok is one of those 
very challenging parshios. It contains no less than 104 psukim, 104 verses, and yet there are none of the 613 mitzvos of the Torah found in this parsha. There are many very important ideas, including the belief in the coming of Moshiach, as found in the Rambam, in chapter 11 of Hichos Melachim, he points to chapter 24 in this parsha, and he cites the pasuk of, in this chapter 24, it is pasuk Torah uh, Kochov Miyakov. He points out, this is Pasuk 17, that the belief in the coming of Moshiach is not simply uh, one which is part of our tradition, but it stems literally from the Torah. And if one denies the coming of Moshiach as a biblical concept, they are going against our understanding of what the Torah is literally alluding to. So how do we understand this week's parsha? We find two arch enemies who come together, Moab and Midian, and they have one thing in common, their hatred for the Jewish people. And they recognize that the Jewish people are unique, and their uniqueness, they understand, is with their peh, with their mouth, meaning their ability to have a relationship with God, they're having a great prophet such as Moshe, and so they turn to Bilam, who as well has this gift of prophecy, and that's why when the Torah tells us at the very end of the fifth book, there never was or ever will be among the Jewish people, a prophet as great as Moshe, amongst the Jewish people there will not be, and there never was. But among the other nations of the world, they had a Bilam, and this way they can't say if only we had a prophet, we would have been different people. They had a prophet, and unfortunately their prophet was a person, to say the least, of not good character. You take a look at the end of chapter 5 of Pirkei Avos, of the contrast between the character of Bilam and that of Avram Avinu. And so they come to Bilam, these two enemies of the Jewish people, and they say, curse for us the Jewish people. And so, the Talmud tells us in Brachos 7a, based upon the verse in Tehillim, chapter 7, verse 12, the Kael so aim b'chol yom, God is angered every day. And interesting, how much of the day a moment but how much is that moment literally a millisecond but Bilam knew when that millisecond was he would get his quote foot in the door and he would curse the Jewish people and that's what he was hoping for and that's what they were hoping for and for that reason they hired him the Torah that please God we are going to read this coming Shabbos for Parshas Bolok. So the Navi tells us the following Ami, 
by people. Listen carefully, says the Navi. Zacharna, you are to remember Mayoaz Bolak Melech Moav. What was the advice and what was the request of Balak, the king of Moab? And listen carefully what you have further, Hashem, that you should know the kindness of Hashem. Now what is the kindness of Hashem? The kindness of Hashem, the Gemara in Sanhedrin 105b goes on to explain that during the time that Balak comes to Bilam and Bilam goes through the exercises of building altars and bringing Korbanos, offerings, to God, to Hashem during these days Hashem does not get angry even for a milli moment and therefore he cannot go with plan A and unfortunately what does he do? Bilam does suggest at the end of the parsha, plan B what is plan B? plan B is unfortunately he says and now he will give them advice and what is the advice that he gives um, Bolak? The advice is to take the nos Moab, the women of Moab, and let them lure the men of Israel into promiscuity. And sure enough, unfortunately, how does the parsha end? Literally those who died in the plague. What kind of a plague? The plague is because of those that started with immorality and ended up with idolatry, worshipping Baal Peor. How many were there? 24,000. So what he couldn't succeed in cursing, he does succeed in tripping the Jewish people. And we know this to be a fact because later on in Parshas Matos, Moshe explains what it is regarding these women of Moab. And this is in chapter 31, Pasuk 16, the Torah says there, Hain Haina, these women of Moab, Hayulav Ne Yisrael, Bidvar Bilam. Bidvar Bilam means, and Rashi quotes it on the spot, that he was the one who provided this incentive, saying, Eloheim Shal Elu, they are God of these Israelites. Sone Zimahu hates promiscuity, and the rest we know, unfortunately, is history. Now, how does all this work. So explains the late Rav Goldvich, the Rosh Hashiva of Kerem Biavna, something very, very sharp. What's going on? Why is it that Kel Zo'em B'chol Yom? Why is it that God has to have that millisecond of anger every day? So he says the following, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Rav Chesed. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is an abundance of kindness, of goodness, of mercy. And if this mercy is unbounded, if there is no limitation to it, then this excess 
chesed in this world, the shefa, this flow of chesed, kindness, if it is not bounded, it can lead to, as indeed it happened, to immorality. Because what is immorality? Immorality is taking love, only not having proper boundaries for it. And therefore, every day HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates a balance. And note, for him, even a millisecond of rega is enough to create that perfect balance. And so, unfortunately, when there was a void, and there was a void of din in this world, so Moab and Bilam took advantage of the fact that there was this overabundance of chesed, and this created the atmosphere and environment as the Gemara in Sanhedrin and Perachelet 105b and 106a goes on to describe exactly how the men were lured in by the uh, prostitutes of uh, Moab and how unfortunately this plague came to consume the 24,000 men. If we take a deep breath we have to realize that this lesson which we are learning from Parshas, Bilam and Balak is so important for each and every one of us as well. And that is that we are to recognize that there must be boundaries in this world. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu has set Chesed and Chesed literally is the material which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has brought into this world with great abundance Olam Chesed Yibana the world is built on Chesed it is one of the Sfirot and listen carefully Chesed knows no boundaries and therefore it is the first delivery of creation which contains within it everything that the world will ever need. Okay? However, since Chesed is literally unlimited, you need the Sphira of Gevura. Gevura is the Sphira that God used to contain, to shape, and mold a world that was created through Chesed. And therefore when Hashem said, for example, Yehirakia, let there be a firmament, the world kept on stretching and expanding until Hashem said, die. And that's why the name of Shakai, when it comes to Avram Avinu by the bris milah, what is the name? Shin Dalad Yud, found on the outside of the mezuzah, mean She'omar Le'olamo Dai, the one who has put limits and limitations into this world. Hashem said, enough, and at that point there the firmament came to a standstill. Enough is the sphere of Gevura. And therefore when there is chesed in this world, I need it to be bounded by Gevura what we would call enough. And so, what you have is as follows. In all areas of life there needs to be this very strong and careful balance between the two. On the one hand, going back to not too long ago, but there was a period of time where the philosophy of life and psychologists and others were suggesting that you should be a buddy to your child. This might be very interesting and intriguing, but unfortunately it 
was unhealthy because there needs to be a healthy balance between there is on the one hand a love that we give our children but there has to be healthy boundaries as well and it's this delicate mizug it's this delicate balance between the two which is so important and therefore parents have to show by example how they want their children to act because they themselves have to lead a balanced life and so by definition we are to have kavod harav kavod harav means literally that we have respect for the Rebbe, but to recognize that the teacher, the Rebbe, the Torah scholar, the one that you are close with, is on one hand, on a higher notch level, is greater, but on the other hand, we have a relationship. And so even in the way that we speak to them, the fact that we're trained properly in the yeshiva, that we speak to the Rosh Yeshiva in the third person as opposed to the second person this is the idea of showing that there is this kind of delicate but very necessary boundary and so when you think about it what emanates from Parshas Bullock is a charge to all of us to fulfill the 611th mitzvah, which is to emulate Hashem. And just as He puts that perfect balance into the world, we are to recognize, first of all, the challenge that this is something that each of us has to wrestle with, and attempt to do and be cognizant of it. Look from time to time and see, am I perhaps a little bit too strong in this area and maybe a little bit too faulty in this area? There is to be, the way the rabbis tell us so beautifully, small merachek, you are to discipline with the small, with the left, but but you are to literally bring closer and show love with the right hand. And so this delicate balance is a very important aspect which emanates from Parshas Balak and an important reminder to us that as we go this coming Tuesday with Shavasa Batamas into the three weeks, a reminder that this is true not only in our personal lives, but the nature of the three weeks itself is to try to create within our minds and psyche this balance of recognizing and appreciating what we are missing, please God, in the third Besam Migdash and in the ultimate redemption of our people. Shabbat Shalom to all.
He's headlining the uh, Rebuild Bell Harbor uh, concert that's going on. 11 o'clock this coming Sunday morning, Benny Friedman and Shlomi Dax are together with Arye Kunstler. Congregation of Tzedek on Rockaway Beach Boulevard in Bell Harbor. Information, rebuildbellharbor.com. Rebuildbellharbor.com for info on the events. Get ready for that great musical treat. Monday's the final day for us before the Jewish music season ends. Yeah, you know how we uh, judge things when it comes to the Jewish music season. Basically, Nachamud, Shavas, or Batamus. Uh, so we go into our three weeks format on Tuesday morning. And um, we go into our three weeks format Tuesday morning. And uh, what else do I want to mention? And don't forget, our weekend programming is as strong as ever with Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night. Executive Assistant Avrami is going to be hosting. Matis has JM Sunday starting at 7 o'clock in the morning. A lot of folks excited about the fact that JM and the AM is now seven, de- seven days. Is now, is now six days a week. <laughs> um, so thank you to Matis for that. Wanna wish a Mazel Tov. It became official last night. Yaakov Gordon and Debbie Seif are a recently, in this case, a very recently engaged couple. Mazel Tov uh, to uh, Yaakov Gordon and Debbie Seif from all of us here at JM in the AM. Got a nice email from Brother Seth, who uh, told me that, in fact, it is official. When did he write this email? Let's see. Um... What time was it? It was 10.02 p.m. last night. So Mazal Tov uh, from all of us here at JM in the AM. Also a Mazal Tov wish going out to um, Rabbi Chaim and Efrona Hagler. Gidon's Bar Mitzvah is happening this Shabbos. So a very special uh, Mazal Tov and Shabbat Shalom. Um, again, that's uh, Ephrona and Rabbi Chaim Hagler and Gidon, who is celebrating his bar mitzvah this coming Shabbos. Mazal Tov. And listener Sina couldn't wrap up the week without getting us some information about a Mazal Tov, thank God. <laughs> uh, oldest grandchild's making a siyum this Shabbos. Mazal Tov to Avram Tzvi Gifter on Staten Island, uh, finishing Maseches Makos. Mazal Tov to... Your fabulous Tati and Mommy, your Bayakov and Shoshana Gifter, and all the siblings. You've really been steiging away. We couldn't be more proud of your accomplishments. Thank you and all the for all the Nachas. Lots of love from Bubby and Zadie, Florida. So there they go. You knew Cena would have to sneak into this week somehow. So there she is with a great Mazel Tov wish for her grandson. By the way, we're wishing Mazel Tov to all those who are completing Masechah's Erevin today. And Hatzlachah Rabbah to those who are starting Masechah's Psachim tomorrow. Please keep in mind, Rechel Bas Esther Bluma for Rafur Shlema. Rechel Bas Esther Bluma for Rafur Shlema. I uh, remind you that in Brooklyn, New York, this coming Sunday, Dr. Mark Kligman, internationally acclaimed expert on Jewish musicology, takes us on a journey describing a vast yet intimate connection with Judaism's special melodies. This Sunday... Uh, presentation at 6.30, Mincha at 8.10 at the Yavna Minyan of Flatbush at the Shulamit School of Brooklyn Campus, 1277 East 14th Street in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, that presentation is entitled, From the Bible Until Today, The Role of Jewish Music in Jewish Life. That is cool. That is a cool topic.
So you can check that out at the Avon Minion of Flatbush is coming Sunday. Don't forget our friends at Adorama have their big street fair to benefit the uh, Boomer and Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Adorama on 18th Street between 5th and 6th Avenues in Manhattan. Looks like the weather will be great. They close the street. They've got uh, kosher snacks. They've got games, a petting zoo, the whole thing. If you have a chance, come on down. It's always a lot of fun. And a big, uh, I hope, I, I, I'm going to wish a restful Shabbos to the staff at Adorama because I'm sure they have been preparing like crazy. Coming up at 9 o'clock, just 13 minutes from now, Naomi Nachman speaks with the winner of the um, 2013 Kosher Chopped Competition. You may recall that uh, there was a program that aired last night, the Stunt Show. And by the way, you can actually see the video right now on our website at NahumSingle.com. The video of the entire show is up there right now. Um, so Naomi today speaks with the winner of the Stunt Show. Hint, hint, it might be the person who visited us here yesterday at JM in the AM. Uh, Mendy Hertz from Gourmet Glot will be sharing recipes and store secrets with Naomi. And Mendel Siegel from the Vod of Kansas is sharing vacation ideas in Kansas in time for the second annual Kosher Kansas City Barbecue Contest. we got to go to that one year, that's for sure. <laughs> Naomi between 9 and 10 on our stream at jmdm.org. And the one of the most talked about aspects of our stream the incredible Erev Shabbos music mix from 10 a.m. until candle lighting happens starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Time this morning. Tune in and enjoy. Every week we get more and more comments from those who are tuning in and listening. And uh, this uh, it is on its way to becoming as big as we suspect it will. So everybody out there, tune in and enjoy. Keep it on in the background. Home, work, in the car, smartphone telephone listen line there are so many different ways that people are, are checking in to listen to our Arab Shabbos music mix make sure to check it out and enjoy uh, let's do you know it's funny acapella season starts Tuesday but we'll do this acapella selection nonetheless Gershon Verobo with a great acapella version of his Mim Kompcha this is JM in the AM <laughs> Oh, give me a shot. 
Sharabi. His most recent release, that's the title track, Shalom Aleichem. Gershon Varelba before that, an acapella version of Mim Komple. You'll be hearing a whole lot of acapella stuff starting Tuesday as the three weeks begins on a Shivas morning. Believe it or not, it's a fast day Tuesday, huh? Sneaking up on us, to say the least. Arab Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Don't forget, after the... Uh, Program ends. It's Naomi Nachman, table for two on our stream at jmnam.org. She will have the winner of the Big Kosher Chopped competition from yesterday. 10 a.m. for the Arab Shabbos music mix, which is like no other, as more and more people are discovering, like no other in the Jewish world. That's coming up. Keep it on our stream at jmnam.org between 10 a.m. and candle lighting time. Time to take a Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM.
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. DJ Kaylee has uh, taken over the Friday 9 a.m. slot as of last week. So we are expecting uh, Bedlam. Starting at 9 a.m. now every Friday morning. <laughs> we'll see if that happens. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, folks. Naomi Nachman next in the stream at jmtheam.org with Table for Two. And with the winner of the Kosher Chopped competition from yesterday. Should be a lot of fun. Erev Shabbos music stream all day long on the stream at jmtheam.org. Tomorrow night, Avrami with Saturday Night Seagull. Matis with the uh, sixth day of JM in the AM. JM Sunday starting at 7 o'clock in the morning. On Sunday morning, we're back for the final day before the three weeks on Monday. Have a fabulous Shabbos, a great weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Single reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.